Well, good morning. My name is Brad Purdom. I am the canon for congregations for the Diocese of Ohio. And I have the honor of being in a different congregation most every Sunday uh, around the diocese. And as I do, this is a little different to say to the cathedral church, of course, but, uh, but as I do uh, in different places, I have the, the pleasure uh, of, of saying this, that I come to you on behalf of your bishop and of his staff, and most especially on behalf of all of your siblings across the Diocese of Ohio, and I bring with me their blessings and their gratitude and their prayers. I'm a generally cautious person when it comes to sort of watering down what people sometimes call the hard sayings of Jesus or the hard sayings of the Bible. Things like, I came not to send peace but a sword. Or no, you can't bury your father first. Let the dead bury the dead. Or the first line of our gospel today, whoever does not hate mom, dad, Susie, Billy, <laughs> Jerry, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. I don't like to go to that place of sort of trying to add my own stuff into uh, my own agenda into, into difficult passages in the scriptures because I think it's important that we ask ourselves and that I ask myself in particular, um, what is it about this scripture that, what is it saying about God or about me, about God or about humanity that upsets me so much? And why? Where does that come from in me? And what might I consider or pray about in all of that? So I don't like to go straight to that, well, Jesus didn't really mean that thing, but here I go. Well, Jesus didn't really mean that thing. I want to at least nuance what I believe Jesus is saying in our gospel reading. Because in this particular case, and in others assuredly, but in this particular case, I think it sends us down an unhelpful rabbit hole not to do so. When Jesus says, whoever does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple, I don't think he means hate in the way that we mean that word or use that term. When we say hate, we mean it as an active state of disgust and detesting. We actually mean it even more than that. We mean it usually in the sense that we're actually wishing harm upon that person who we just hate. Obviously, I don't think that's Jesus' message here. We are also to take the scriptures not one verse at a time, but in their fullness and context. So I don't think it means that. I am going to suggest that Jesus is actually saying something like, in comparison to their love for me, 
Whoever does not hate, even their father and mother, wife and children, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. That is, of course, still a very hard thing for Jesus to say. But what it then insists upon is something that we all already believe, that it is Jesus who must be first in our lives if we are truly to live as Christians. Some of you may know the social media group Next Door. Any of you know this Next Door? It's kind of like Facebook, but on a super local level. You get super local news, like the guy two doors down needs to mow his yard. And the arguments and complaints are not about national politics, but are very much about local politics. Things like, for example, how much certain people hate, and I use the word as disgust and wishing harm upon, how much they hate those new trash cans Cleveland Heights gave everybody to drag to the streets. People just, it's driving some people crazy. Or how the new green paint for bike lanes in South Euclid is just stupid. That kind of stuff. In small doses, it's actually pretty awesome. Well, recently, the big deal in Next Door has been about certain young families who have been sitting in tree lawns in the area where I live in our east side suburbs or parking lots quite regularly and asking for money. Of those who comment, most are angry or disgusted. They accuse the people of being lazy, scam artists, bad parents, all sorts of things. Of course, you know, it's one thing for them to decide not to give anything to those people. And it's another thing entirely for them to be so judgmental about it, so ugly, so angry. And of course, here I go, right? Doing exactly the same thing. Now I'm being judgmental, rude, and angry about them. I hate it when that happens. There's that word again. And that, of course, is the point. I am not living as a disciple of Jesus when I'm being judgmental, rude, and angry either about the people who are asking for money or about those whom I judge to be being so judgmental and hateful about it. But it is the human condition to go to that place of anger and judgment very quickly, isn't it? Perhaps not about what is published in Next Door, of course, but about so very many things and so very many people and so very many issues in our lives and in the culture and in the world. There is a difference between being against something and being passionate about it and being judgmental and angry and all of those things. But there we go. 
And the only way for us to break that cycle and so many other similar cycles in our lives is to put Jesus first. As I suggest he meant in the gospel, in comparison to their love for me, whoever does not hate even their father and mother, wife and children, even life itself, cannot be my disciples. And again, hate is an awful strong word. But it takes some serious stuff to go against this place in each of us, certainly in me, that jumps over and over again to that place that I'm speaking about. The ways of God must come first. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Give not only your cloak, but every doggone shirt in your closet. If someone strikes you, turn and offer them the other cheek. Forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven times. Our colic for the day this morning has something to offer here. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts. For as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Help us, God, not to be so proud as to insist upon our own way of being, our own set of priorities, our own self-righteousness, but instead to put you, your way of being, your set of priorities, your righteousness first. Grant us instead, God, to trust in you with all our hearts. All of which begs the question, of course, how? How do we live in this other way around? And the answer is, if not easy, at least pretty straightforward. It is that we integrate prayer, the reading of scripture, consistent giving of ourselves and our finances, intentional acts of service and love, and active prison uh, practices of forgiveness and acceptance of others into our day-to-day -day lives. In other words, it is to, to build in, to incorporate, to integrate all the things that we know, all the disciplines of our spiritual lives, all that we've been taught to do on a regular basis to help keep us at least closer to that place where we can live in what I've come to call, for myself at least, a kind of open-handed life. The kind of hand, life that Jesus lived and the kind of life we live when we follow him by putting him first. And among the many reasons to hope that we live that open-handed life is that when we find we do that, we are not only 
open-hearted, open-handed to others, but we are increasingly open-hearted and open-handed to God and to God's peace. To be clear, it's not a transaction. I did a good thing, now God, you owe me one. It is instead a simple spiritual truth. Living as if we are already living in the fullness of the love of God, the realm of God, is exactly how we ourselves experience the fullness of the love of God and the breaking in of the realm of God. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts For as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Amen.